0: Hello, and welcome to the ORX News Podcast, a podcast from ORX where we talk about the top five largest losses of the month, as well as stories specially created by the news team to illustrate current operational risk events from across the globe. I'm Fernanda Ashcroft, News Assistant Manager for Editorial. In this month's episode, we'll take a brief look at April's top five largest losses, as well as discuss the recently published crypto, an op-risk overview and timeline report, and the highlights of a recent session hosted by the ORX Cyber Team about the Digital Operation Resilience Act, or DORA for short. We'll illustrate some of the main discussion points with relevant news stories. Today, I'm joined by new senior researcher Stanka and news researcher Joseph. Over to you, Joseph, for April's Top 5.
1: Thanks, Fern. Last month's fifth largest loss was awarded to Chatham Asset Management, which agreed to pay $18.8 million to settle allegations of engaging in illicit rebalancing trades with fixed income securities in funds managed by Chatham and its founder. At number four is Clover Health Investments. In late April, an SEC filing revealed that Clover would pay $22 million to settle class action claims it misled investors prior to going public via a merger with a special purpose acquisition company. At number three is world exchange services. Last month saw reports emerge that a former company employee had stolen $38.7 million in cryptocurrency from the Singapore-based crypto exchange. BNP Paribas sustained the month's second largest loss, as it was forced to pay $41.3 million to settle allegations of mis-selling and involvement in bribery concerning derivative sales to Dutch housing cooperative Stichting Vestia. J.P. Morgan suffered April's largest loss after the bank was defrauded of $175 million in the process of acquiring Frank, an online startup designed to assist students with loan applications.
2: Last month, we published an updated report on cryptocurrencies, looking at how the ecosystem has evolved since we've started covering it in news, trying to offer a bit of an overview of what has been happening since 2022 and how operational risks have materialized in the sector. It goes without saying that higher interest rates hit the financial sector hard, and the same goes for crypto. Things started going downhill in May with the crash of stablecoin Terra, and they really haven't stopped since. Voyager went bankrupt, so did Celsius, hedge fund 3 Arrows Capital, and famously FTX. But here's the kicker. Many of these recently collapsed firms have actually been accused of fraud. Fundamentally, it's a question of governance. The industry positions itself in contrast to the institutional world of traditional finance and its centralized controls. It also moves very quickly. So that's how you end up with a lot of inexperienced and qualified people in charge of a lot of money. Controls just fall by the wayside. Obviously, this means that there's a lot of space for fraud. Of the five major firms that collapsed in 2022, the founders of three have been accused of fraud. Terraform Labs' Joe Kwon has been charged in multiple jurisdictions, while Celsius founder Alex Mashinsky, along with a suite of FTX and Alameda executives, have been charged in the U.S. Some, like former CEO Caroline Ellison, have pleaded guilty. Another issue that's extremely prevalent is financial crime, things like money laundering, terrorism financing, sanctions violations. It's important to remember that one of the main uses of crypto used to be dark web transactions. The system was built to support that, and there is a cultural resistance to the introduction of AML and KYC controls. Users really prize their anonymity and lack of traceability. Last, but by no means least, there's the issue of market integrity, which has become even more prominent in light of recent collapses. It turned out that both Celsius and FTX were the largest holders of their self-issued tokens. A lot of these firms lend to and invested in each other and traded each other's tokens. We saw what happened when the music stopped. Despite this, a majority of losses in the crypto space are still occurring as a result of hacks. There are flash loan attacks, 51% attacks, and there's Oracle manipulation, which is artificially inflating the price of a token, and a variety of other coding vulnerabilities, which happen basically every other day. This, in some cases, occurs even when the code and products have been externally audited. It seems that fundamentally, cybersecurity controls are just not that effective.
0: In March this year, the ORX Operational Risk Horizon 2023 identified cybercrime still ranking significantly ahead of all other emerging risk categories. 89% of participants selected cybercrime within their top 5 risks. The FT recently reported that Nordea's bank suffers about 100,000 cyberattacks a year and it classifies more than 1,000 as serious. The bank CEO labelled cybersecurity as their biggest concern, even above turbulent markets. In a recent interview, Bill Borden, Vice President of Financial Services for Microsoft, described the unique challenge presented to financial institutions regarding cybersecurity as creating high-friction experiences for cybercriminals, fraudsters and money launderers while delivering low-friction customer experiences. And regarding cyber insurance cover, the Federation of European Risk Management Associations recently said that cyber insurance is evolving in isolation from the industry it serves, warning that cyber insurance cover could become a non-viable product for firms. This follows the news that Lloyds of London, a hub for cyber insurance, is demanding that standard cyber policies have an exemption for large state-backed attacks. With all of this in mind, I'll give you an overview of the highlights from our recent discussion about DORA. DORA is being introduced to acknowledge and address ongoing challenges associated with complex and fragmented digital ecosystems, often stemming from rapid digitalization. There is a sophisticated landscape of bad actors carrying out cyber threats, which financial institutions and the wider industry must prepare and protect themselves against. And the existing EU regulation on resilience has been fragmented and requires a centralised framework. Lastly, a lack of comprehensive management information can mean that board members and senior managers may have insufficient awareness of relevant risk exposures. DORA was fully adopted by the European Council and the European Parliament in November 2022 and it's currently being transposed into national law by each EU member state. DORA is expected to become fully applicable in two years' time in 2025. It's worth noting that DORA cuts across cyber and resilience and it has been divided into five pillars. I'll come back with more details about the five pillars a bit later in the episode. Crypto firms face unique
2: cybersecurity challenges, and they make good case studies for regulatory interventions. Measures like DORA are precisely what might have prevented some of the recent crypto losses that we've covered in news, one example being FTX. Now, the hack was just part of a much larger story, but because of the bankruptcy proceedings, we now have a very detailed insight into how cybersecurity was managed at the exchange. It was first and foremost a governance issue. FTX kept all of its digital assets online in hot wallets, making them much more vulnerable to theft. Executives, um, Sam Bankman-Fried included, lied about this setup, claiming that the assets were kept in cold storage, as is customary. None of these assets were protected using multi-signature capabilities, Um, passwords were stored in plain text and without encryption, and there was no identity and access management to speak of. FTX didn't really maintain any clear records of its virtual architecture which was shared with other entities in the group including Alameda, and the exchange didn't implement any visibility controls across the board, which refer to records and alerts of activity within the network. In fact, FTX learned it had been hacked via Twitter.
0: Now to the details about the five pillars. The governance issues at FTX lead me to the first DORA pillar. ICT, Risk Management and Governance In addition to defining, approving and overseeing the implementation, senior management is also accountable for the framework. However, the regulation does not set out prescriptive detail on how this should be approached. Pillar 2 Incident Reporting An incident management process must be in place to support the detection, management and notification of incidents early warning indicators should be put in place to be able to detect the type of risks tracking across the organisation. And financial institutions must have the capability to notify relevant internal and external stakeholders when a significant incident happens. Pillar 3. Digital operation resilience testing. Financial institutions should conduct regular testing of tools and systems and testing should be robust, extending beyond paper- and desk-based exercises. Testing should provide assurances of the business's capabilities to manage digital risks. Pillar 4. ICT Third-Party Risk Financial institutions must be aware of third-party risks and manage them within their own risk management framework. This is actually the most detailed and prescriptive of the pillars. Among the areas covered are requirements for specific third-party contractual provisions and concentration risk management principles. And lastly, Pillar 5 – Information sharing. Financial institutions should exchange cyber threat information and intelligence to support a collaborative effort to make the wider ecosystem safer as a result. This could be done by market players coming together to establish organised collaboration centres with formal procedures for exchanging intelligence and coordinating cyber defense strategies.
2: So, to illustrate some of the DORA pillars with stories recently covered in news, I'll begin with the cyber attack at Capita. This story covers pillars four, uh, third-party risk, and pillar five, information sharing. Earlier this month, outsourcing company Capita reported that it would incur costs of up to £20 million, or $25 million, to recover leaked data and reinforce its cyber defences following a cyber incident in April. Capita administers pensions for roughly 450 organisations in the UK, including AXA. The firm stated that the cyber incident had primarily impacted access to internal applications, which had caused disruption to some services. In response, Capita implemented its technical crisis management protocols and contained the issue. After consulting with specialists and forensic experts, Capita disclosed that an unknown actor had gained unauthorized access to the company's systems for around 10 days in March this year. An investigation found evidence of data theft, but Capita added that it had restricted the scale of the attack and estimated that only 4% of the server's state had been affected. However, it was reported that information containing Capita data was circulating on the dark web. In a recent communication, the firm said its investigation into the hack was taking longer than estimated. It said that the analysis remained a complex, labor-intensive exercise, which placed risk on planned timescales. Capita added that it was hesitant to offer a fixed date on which it expected the analysis to be complete, but was aiming for a conclusion around the 27th of May. The news team is closely following developments and will update the Capita story accordingly.
0: The next story falls under Pillar 1, Risk Management and Governance. In March this year, The Swedish financial regulator fined Swedbank $80 million over a lack of internal controls relating to some critical IT systems. Basically, between the 28th and the 29th of April 2022, nearly 1 million Swedbank customers had incorrect balances in their accounts, and they were not able to make payments because a major IT incident led to a large number of transactions being halted in the bank systems. The incident was caused by Swedbank making a change to a critical IT system without following internal procedures, which stated that the bank should have undertaken a risk and impact analysis of the change and assessed the timing on, amongst other factors, when salaries are paid. Essentially, Swedbank didn't embed sufficient control mechanisms to ensure these procedures were followed. Another extremely costly example to fall under Pillar 1 regards TSB. Extensive disruptions caused by a planned migration of around 1.3 billion customer records in 2018 cost TSB $580 million in fines, customer redress, associated remediation costs and fraud costs. Disruptions started after a planned migration overrun. TSB was moving the data of approximately 5 million customers from a computer system hosted by Lloyds to another banking platform. Although the bank claimed that it had completed the migration, many customers complained about not being able to access their accounts, and some customers were able to view the details of other online banking users, including sort codes and account numbers. Other issues included unexplained credit and zero balances, Missing payments and in branch problems. In December 2022, the UK FCA and the PRA fined TSB nearly £49 million over operational resilience failures. The regulators identified failures related to the planning, testing, risk management and outsourcing of the project, as well as to the bank's business continuity planning. Particularly, TSB had adopted a top down approach to the initial migration planning which had knock-on effects, such as an overly ambitious timetable, insufficient discussion and challenge of issues as they came to light. Just in April this year, the PRA fined TSB's former Chief Information Officer, Carlos Abarca, £81,000 for breaches of senior manager conduct rules. Specifically, Abarca failed to manage one of the bank's key outsourcing relationships, assuring the board that the supplier was prepared for the migration without obtaining sufficient guarantee from the actual supplier.
2: So, to wrap up, what can financial institutions do to prepare for DORA? They can engage senior management to set an overarching digital resilience strategy and assign accountabilities, make digital resilience part of the board agenda, build an enterprise-wide list of critical services and map them end-to-end and assess relevant controls, Um, They can articulate a third-party resilience strategy and review existing contracts using a risk-based approach, identify and track early warning indicators, and standardize reporting and establish a process for capturing lessons learned. And lastly, they can enhance the existing testing framework by incorporating more sophisticated approaches and link to ICT risk tolerance thresholds. It looks like a lot of these steps will be required by regulators in the future, with DORA being just one example. We've also seen regulators in Australia taking a more proactive approach to cybersecurity, following a series of hacks towards the end of 2022. One of the affected institutions was Insurer Medibank, whose 9.7 million customers were all affected.
0: Thanks, Tanka, and thank you for listening. The DORA event was open to the wider ORX membership, including members of the Operation Resilience Working Group. For further details, including the full summary of the discussion, go to the ORX website. New subscribers can access all the stories mentioned on the news website. The links will be added to the show notes. For more information about ORX, search for orx.org. I hope you can join us next time.